Hello, and welcome to the Lightly Literary Podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host, Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Hello. Welcome back to the wonders of the natural world. Woohoo! That feels like a setup for Jurassic Park. Was that like a tagline from Jurassic Park? Oh, man. Could you imagine... If she had written for Jurassic Park. Yeah, I could see some lines sneaking into the the director. I don't remember his name, but the main, the older man who kind of wants to get it going. Clearly, yeah. clearly he's been taken over by the natural world. He's just in awe of it all. He's truly ecstasy filled with the, with nature. Anyway, um, welcome. You found a book club recommendation episode. I shouldn't say club. Those are different, Amanda. We have distinctly different things going on. This is a book recommendation episode about World of Wonder which is a collection of essays by the author Amy Nizukamatatil, which I think we settled on the last name correctly, but let me spell it quick just for you listeners out there. It's N-E-Z-H-U-K-U-M-A-T-A-T-H-I-L. So if you're looking for the book online, also type in World of Wonders and I'm sure it'll come up. This is a book wreck, so we'll be trying to persuade you and convince you to read this book with us over the course of the next two weeks, where we'll split our book club analysis episodes over two different ones on Fridays. So if you're listening to this, you're in the right place. If it's your first ever episode with us, again, you're in the perfect place to start because book recommendations are persuasive, and we're just trying to get you excited to read a book with us. If you've never listened before, as I mentioned, we are the Lightly Literary Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram under that handle or under that name. It's just at the Lightly Literary Podcast all one word so easy to find and follow we post what we're reading we post our schedule and you can keep up with us there find out what we're doing all that good stuff today amanda this is a book you chose do you want to set it up briefly oh sure yeah um or just why you chose it i guess you don't have to talk much about it but (laughs) yeah i chose it because um i was walking through the bookstore and i was like i want to choose something that's nonfiction because I I tend to gear towards novels. So I was looking for something specifically nonfiction, and I saw the cover for this, and I was like, ooh, this is really pretty, but usually I don't really care about reading about nature. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was a recommendation from the staff. It was like one of those, like it had a little tag underneath, like blah, 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 recommends this book if you enjoy... Uh, short facts about nature and connections to personal life and blah 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 so I was like oh that sounds really interesting so that's why I chose it yeah yeah and it has a heck of a cover if you're listening and haven't pulled it up or something or if you can do a quick google then yeah I would try and pull it up because the cover is truly jubilant affair it's very fun (laughs) very pretty yeah Yeah, excellent cover um from the I'm going to read briefly from the inside just to give you listener a sense of what we're going to be discussing and trying to persuade you to read the description from the cover reads, As a child, celebrated poet Amy Nizukamatatil called Many Places Home, the grounds of a Kansas mental institution where her Filipina mother was a doctor, the open skies and tall mountains of Arizona where she hiked with her Indian father, and the chillier climbs of western New York and Ohio. But no matter where she was transplanted, no matter how awkward the fit or forbidding the landscape, she found herself seeking guidance and clarity from an astonishing variety of fierce and funny creatures, warm, lyrical, and gorgeous illustrated by Fumi Mini Nakamura. World of Wonders is a book of sustenance and joy. So it is a kind of essay collection hybrid, memoir hybrid, and a little bit of nature reflection hybrid. So triple hybrid and triple threat. Yeah. All right, let's dive into the recommendation, Amanda. The first thing we'll do, first segment always, is rapid-fire recommendations, where each of us will describe who should read this book. I will go first. Amanda, I think you should read this book. If you have watched and enjoyed the 
truly famed series, Planet Earth. I agree. It's so great. They should really, like we were talking about earlier, work together. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you should read this book if you like interesting tidbits about flora and fauna. It's it's kind of loaded up with tidbits, too. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. by the end of this, it'll be clear I wanted more tidbits, but yeah, oh yeah. It's well chosen mm-hmm. and very diverse. A lot of different topics. So The S's aren't long, so it's like she gives herself freedom to talk about a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I think you should read this book if you do not need but prefer when an author explains themselves clearly. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If you don't need it, then it's great. Um, <laughs> it, but it happens, yeah. though, too, at times. That's the other it thing. Does. It's like some essays wrap up very clearly and then others not. So <laughs> it does. Anyway. Yeah. If you're OK with either, it's great. Um, you should read this book if you don't mind your memoirs to be somewhat nebulous. It's it is focused around the theme, the motif of nature, but it, it jumps a ton and does not. If it has a thesis, it takes us a while to unpack it, is what I'll say. <laughs> yeah. And we do our best and really dig in, as, as always. But yeah, it's, doesn't, it's not quite laser-focused on a single thing. So I think you should read this book if you find yourself staring at nature and thinking, damn, that looks pretty cool. <laughs> that's a great response because that's that's definitely something that she would say yeah. <laughs> <I feel> like, <laughs> and would encourage all of us to say um you should read this book if you have felt alienated from others especially in childhood okay yeah the the memoir aspects do focus on that so i think there can be some emotional resonance there so yeah, yeah. i think you should read this book if you are a softly spoken conservationist Oh, that's an interesting description. I like that. I like that. Yeah, she's she's definitely not going to like sit there and yell at you about um, her beliefs about nature. Um, she's not so boxy like that, but she definitely clearly states her views. So that's nice. I like that. Um, you should read this book if you enjoy allusions to 80s and 90s pop culture. Yeah, again, the memoir stuff, it none of it feels in-depth, but you're 100% right. There's a couple essays that even kind of rely on those references in, in a way <laughs> and mine MTV, them for... yeah. yeah <laughs> they kind of mine them for some specificity, too. And then there's the, the abduction dog or McGruff or whatever. <laughs> it's like there's yeah, some... Yeah, McGruff. Some, yeah, there's some stuff that weirdly is kind of important, too. I, I wouldn't say it's dominant, but for sure it's in there. So that, yeah, it's a good one, too. I think you should read this book if you are looking for a quiet memoir... Of a life fairly normally lived. Yeah, I, I like the quiet memoir because uh, there there are definitely memoir moments, um, but it's not a full on memoir where you're just going to be completely immersed in her memories. And I guess I let me rephrase this: to, this is more of like not for you should read this if, but I don't know how I would write just the memoir part. The nature part is clear to me, but. If I had to write like the exciting blurb for the memoir, I just don't know what my what would my angle be. <laughs> it's like I don't really know. <laughs> um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like she undergoes a lot of like easy to connect to trials and tribulations. Um, granted, there's the whole growing up like minority background family um, from Phil- the Philippines and India. So like, there's that aspect for sure. Um, so I guess mm-hmm. I'm not trying to like diminish her struggle. Definitely not. But it's also, again, the quiet part, maybe it just feels very quiet, quietly observed. Yeah. So I agree. Um, you should read this book. If you like 
pretty pictures. Oh, yeah. More <laughs> illustrations always. I, our agenda is clear since I try and promote our podcast with some drawings of my own. So these are actually professionally done and actually good. <laughs> so you should observe them. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I'm 100% one who thinks basically every book should have art in it always yeah. forever i don't i'm not really sure where the disconnect happened like <laughs> i don't i don't care if you don't like the harry potter covers because they like ruined your image in your brain or whatever i think that's like a false false criticism like more mm-hmm. art in books for for my money anyway yeah. yeah so and or just like we said google some of the things she's discussing there's a salamander that smiles this kind of definitely googleable so let's i love mo- that one yeah yeah it's great <laughs> let's move to a pop culture touchstone here amanda this is our next segment where we try and connect it to something in pop culture something popular maybe that we can get the listener to have an idea of what's what it's dealing with i'll go first because mine's kind of a mess but i have two and i'm going to try and blend them <laughs> but hey that tells you something of what i thought of this book <laughs> um planet earth let's start here uh, Planet Earth is a kind of almost orgasmic 4K HD celebration of the natural world. Truly one of my favorite things ever put to a film camera. And it's the only thing I think I have left that I own in physical like DVD. I don't buy movies ever. Maybe I should start collecting, but I own Blu-ray Planet Earth. And it's like one of the only things I own for Blu-ray. <laughs> it's um, It's similar in tone. It's in awe. It's in wonder. I don't think it's quite as... It well, it has another focus, which I'll get to in a second. But it's it's not maybe quite as interested in the technicalities, but it has a similar reverence, is what I would say. It is mm-hmm. it is it is similarly in awe of nature. Here's another one though. Let me tack this on, see how it fits. Do you ever watch Sex in the City? I never did, but nope. <laughs> yeah, I have culturally osmosed this, though. This is osmosed into my being. The end of those episodes, the main character, Carrie Bradshaw, she types up, because she's a writer, right, like a columnist, she types up kind of a summary of the episode at the end of each. Isn't, isn't that true? I feel like I've seen that yeah. shot. That's also been it's also been parodied a ton. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. it's like I'm aware of the, that that's kind of how that show like to wrap its episodes up. Uh, that is my other pop culture touchstone, because it feels like at times... She wants to take on kind of an approachable, like, let me just try and hash out this lesson I learned tone to things. It can be really direct, like I mentioned. Also, there's definitely some that are not that way. So I I don't Mm. want to paint an unfair picture. But I feel like the tone of that and kind of just like, uh, let me just plop down and just try and hash this out quick and like explain it to you or connect like... That had a similar feeling at times to me as well. Obviously, it's not about her sex life in the city. It's about the natural world and her right, background. Right. So it's like <laughs> that part I want to make clear. It's not topic. It's more of like tone and approach. And it, because these are so brief, they almost have that columny. Newspaper columns have such a specific cadence and rhythm because they have to be so economical and and like direct. It kind of has that feeling to me, too. That's maybe another reason it reminded me of it. So. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I haven't seen Sex in the City, but the the ending parts of the the summary. They, they, some of her connections are definitely at the ends of her essays as well. So, and often quite direct. Often, yeah. not always, not always, but it, anyway. Yeah. How about for your touchstone? Um, I said Nat Geo for little kids. There's actually like since I have a daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, Specifically, magazines, those uh, nat, nat, National Geographic, that are mm-hmm. made specifically for children who um, are like in elementary school or younger. So, 
I really like them because um, well, I, I connected it to this book because there's like cool nature facts. It's really short and fun descriptions of nature and of these animals. And there's interesting animals um, that aren't necessarily quote normally popular, right? So the, of course. the feature animal is something that's that's like not a lion and not yeah. um, you wouldn't find it in an ABC book of animals, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> there, there's um, <clears throat> different types of animals going on there. Like my uh, the one that my daughter recently is like really into is all about like hammerhead sharks and other cool um, specifically like electric eels and electric stingrays and stuff like that. Um, and ants that are like clear so you can see the color of the food that they have ingested. It's really crazy. Wild. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So just like these creatures that you don't necessarily see in in pop culture a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's also in these magazines just um, uh, fun extra bits that are only tangentially related to the animal facts. So there's like Mm, little activities and little asides that that um there's like um in in this particular magazine that we were reading with the hammerhead sharks it's um you have to match what's open and closed and there's like an open hippo mouth then there's a closed hippo mouth and there's so you're trying to like create activities that show connections to other things like these animals aren't just like out there and like whatever you're trying to connect them in the in the the kids minds and so that's like the the memoir part for me in the book where it's the connection to her gotcha okay yeah i i almost wish there was a tear because it's clearly not writing for kids i don't think a kid would think this is interesting or fun maybe certain passages actually but it's definitely more adult geared in its kind of tone themes whatever but it's also doesn't feel like nat geo which i think it's not a stuffy publication it definitely has its wonders and everything but it's more thorough it's it's very fact heavy and it's like trying to evoke interest but also be just detailed reporting and this is not detailed reporting like this is not boots on the ground we need some scientists to jump in (laughs) um so yeah i wish there was like a tier between them right but yeah that's a great connection and i like the fun aspect too because it feels like she's having fun that i guess i should emphasize yeah yeah definitely true okay Final couple segments for you listeners to persuade you. We have scripted pitches next. I'll go first. I feel like I made you go first last week, so I'll do my yeah, scripted pitch ahead. first. We each have prepared a brief 200-ish word, um, just scripted out, written down piece of persuasion, something to talk about the book and, and recommend it. So I'll start off with my scripted pitch, which starts off more negative than maybe I wanted this to sound, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> I wish that this book, World of Wonders, had a bit more natural wonder in it, which I think is a statement of longing. I mean it to be one, because when the author, um, Nizuka Matatil, does allow herself some breadth to explore the oddities that she finds fascinating and to kind of go out there and be a little more daring with the writing, I think she succeeds. Like, there's some long digressions about the kind of strange anatomy and this tragic violence of these cassowary birds. It, it was a chapter that genuinely captured me. I was so engaged. Similar to were the ways that she made sure that, like, dragon fruit lived up to its cool name because she really gets into some of the just fun descriptiveness of such a beautiful plant. I, she's a professional poet and thus is a poet's ears and eyes, which you feel throughout the collection. So that is to say... 
I really enjoyed her as a nature writer, and I think this book has a lot of merit on those terms, fitting enough given the cover art, so I think it lives up to that promise for the most part. But for me, the book was less successful as a memoir, and too often the connections between her life and the wildlife she so loves to observe, those connections fall flat for me. I even think they could be a bit shallow, like she at one point connects living to a cold place to wanting to be like a narwhal because their environment's cold, so some of it's just kind of basic like that, or sometimes I found them underdeveloped, like... It's, I know it's supposedly about her family, but I feel like her parents are a bit absent, weirdly. They, they do come up, but it just doesn't feel like that relationship's fully explored. Um, so I think the personal moments can work. Uh, like, there's moments with her children I think are kind of fun and intimate, and, and she has a clear affection for them. But I don't know. Often the direct and literal connections with nature in her life are more powerful than some of the abstract ones. Then again, some of the abstract writing is pretty great, so I'll Mm -hmm. say that. Um, In short, let me try and connect this. (laughs) I think I'll remember this book as an engaging, charming series of almost encyclopedia entries about nature if the mission of encyclopedia was to be cool and interesting and not factual (laughs) and dry. Um, I don't... Here's what I'll say. I feel like the gift of a great memoir is to think... I am a deeper person. I understand humanity better by reading about this person's humanity. I don't think this book deepened my humanity. I, I think it made me curious and really appreciative of nature. So that's that's my final word. Maybe a false dichotomy, but that's how I'm processing it. I would say that uh, she would find if if that was all you took away from it, she would still be satisfied with with that. Because, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I hope so. It's it's not obviously it's a criticism in the classical sense of like I'm trying to understand a, a piece of art. <laughs> it's not like yeah. Anyway, I hope it I hope it re- would read that way because there's yeah things to appreciate for sure. Yeah, there's definitely things to appreciate the the memoir. I think is. <sighs> Yeah, I, I think that the nature aspect is is more predominant than the, the memoir aspect um, mm-hmm. yeah, in a yeah. lot of ways. But that's okay. Um, mine is, World of Wonders is difficult to assign a genre. It's part nature facts, part memoir, and part philosophy. There is a bit of each of these components in each of the essays, ruminations, blurbs, I'm not really <laughs> sure what to call these, um, that are included in this collection. This makes this book very personal to the author, which may or may not work for some readers. If you are or are interested in the experiences of a minority female who grew up in the 80s, 90s America, these personal insights will strike a chord with you. If you're not, then these works can still be pleasing, especially the tidbits about the variety of flora and fauna explored in the collection. If you're expecting this collection to be an in-depth, cohesive exploration of the author's life, you'll be left disappointed. However, if you keep an open mind and enjoy the sketches and outlines that the author provides of the connections she has found between nature and her personal experiences and personal thoughts, you'll find this collection a fun and interesting read. Yeah, I think it's all about expectations. And ideally, if you're listening to something like this, a podcast like this with recommendations in mind, hopefully we've outlined it well then. Because I I mean, look at the, the subtitle, right? In praise of fireflies, whale sharks, and other astonishments, does not sound like a memoir to me. So I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it's misleading advertising or something on the cover or whatever. But I do think listening to this and your succinct, really good summary hopefully can open that expectations and, and set them properly. 
<laughs> so yeah and i do think i mean we we can say this you know spoiling our own book analyses i do think some of the connections come down to because it's brief because the essays are pretty short it interpersonal connection or sort of like you, you connected more than i did because some of it was just more literal for you and direct and i that of course you know that makes sense like it i don't want to discount that so mm-hmm. yeah that can do some of the lifting too in a sense any other thoughts on the the scripted pitches nope okay on to our final segment we're making good time intended to be under 30 so we're doing it final right. se- final segment for the book rack on this book world of wonders is going to be a quote for clarification so a quote for clarification obviously like we've talked around the style a ton we've summarized a lot and so now we're just going to read a quote that we think is meaningful and hopefully will provide you with some kind of insight into the writing style and what to expect. Amanda, I've taken them all, so why don't you go first? What is your quote for clarification? Uh, mine comes from the essay Firefly, and it's actually the very first paragraph Um Uh, When the first glimmer pop of firefly light appears on a summer night, I always want to call my mother just to say hello. The bibliography of the firefly is a tender and electric dress, a small flame sputtering in the ditches along a highway, and the elytra covering the hind wings of the firefly lift like a light leather, suppler Mm. than any other beetles. In flight, it is like a loud laugh, the kind that only appears in summer with the stink of meat sizzling somewhere down the street and the mouths of neighborhood children stained with popsicle juice and hinging open with the excitement of a ball game or tag. Um, so I just loved the description of this and I find that, uh, and this is something that we discuss is that when she describes the, the, um, the physical aspects or, or yeah, mostly the physical aspects of mm-hmm. Um, these elements of nature, she does a really great job with um, include like just making these vibrant images, but also um, in in certain cases she's also really good at connecting it to these broader sketches of like childhood or memories that she has. So it's like she gives a great description of the firefly, but then she also connects it back to um, her childhood, not just a general sketch of her childhood, just a general impression of the summertime in her Mm. childhood, which I think is really well done. Yeah. I think there are some pretty clear and lucid moments. Maybe it would be the word I'd pull for, yeah, these evocations of child memories and nostalgia. I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say the tone is nostalgic, but she has these little pockets where that kind of peeks through. So mm-hmm. yeah, a good quote to, to show that. And I notably, you didn't pick one that connects to nature per se, or like as aggressively as she can be in describing nature. But that's, um, yeah, I think that's a good quote though. Cause that's, it is clearly a memoir too. So that's well yeah. chosen. Should I just do, should I just change the cassowary paragraph? I don't know. Maybe I'll change this mid. Cause I, I also pulled one that was kind of half memoir, half kind of bird talk but i do think uh, one of us should pull a quote about just nature <laughs> yeah um, you want to, yeah okay i found it from page 145 and pulling an audible my quote is from the essay about the southern cassowary opening paragraph reads 
The gumball-colored reds and blues of a cassowary's head and featherless neck can make you think of a carnival in the jungle, all festoon and bunting. It's comical from head to toe, really. The black feathers covering its body make the cassowary resemble a dark wig perched on a pair of reptilian legs. Its gaze with balloony caramel eyes can remind you of a six-year-old's drawing. Each of its curiously plodding footsteps makes it look like it's trying to remember a forgotten dance move. But don't underestimate the cassowary. It is one of the only birds on the planet ever known to kill a human. A strange dark ending for an otherwise, you know, jubilant paragraph. But then again, she's, you know, (laughs) she doesn't get too macabre about it or, you know, anything like this. She's not that kind of writer. I think this chapter stood out to me. This essay did. We, We dig into that in the analysis episodes, the book clubs. But for now... It's just a nice demonstration of how she can jump from sentence to sentence with a little bit of glee. You feel that glee, I think. You feel her astonishment, and fittingly enough, given the title, you feel the wonder, for sure. And at its best, I think this memoir has that view of nature that is, it's accessible, and fa- but also factual, and does not feel professorial, to borrow a word from a review we read about it. It does mm. feel like a person who really wants you to be in on the excitement that wants you to see the you know the the festival imagery or the cartoonish quality of this bird and she juxtaposes some fun stuff just like the bird is a weird kind of amalgam i don't know it, it feels like she really gets in line or in tune with some of the fun interesting weirdness of nature at times yeah. um so i think that's the writing at its best i will say it, it doesn't i been i've been hopefully openly fairly critical in this episode in a balanced uh, sensible way so i don't think it always achieves that that's what i would also add but i think at mm-hmm. its best that's kind of what it reads and feels like i uh, the line that i love from that is the a carnival in the jungle i'm like that's such a weird thing to imagine, but I love yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can picture this this bird is like its own carnival tent, and who knows what wonder, you know, just like bouncing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the what, what was the line? Something on legs. It's Oh, that's what it is. A dark wig perched on a pair of reptilian legs. So it's just like this yeah. little ball kind of hopping, <laughs> skipping, jumping. Anyway, yeah, it's, yeah, she's got a poet's ear and a poet's eyes. So that's, that is true. Any final thoughts on World of Wonders by Amy Nizukmatatil? Nope. Excellent. Well, listeners, as always, we hope we persuaded you to read with us for the next two weeks. We will be covering half of the collection on next or this Friday, I suppose, when you're listening to this, and then the next half on the next Friday. As always, our book club episodes release every Friday, so stay tuned for those. The first half will be covering, by the way, the essay, is it Catalpa Tree? Catalpa? Yeah, the Catalpa Tree. Mm-hmm. Catalpa Tree, and then we'll be going through Calendars Poetica, or Calendars Poetica. It's probably Latin or something. <laughs> so that'll be the essays we spoil and cover in the first half episode. So if you're going to read with us, that's where you should get to. Um, if we did not persuade you to read with us today, we apologize. As always, we'll try and persuade you next time. Um, we do have other books chosen and coming up in order. Amanda, do you want to tell them about those? Yeah, next up we have another essay collection. Um, it's called Slouching Toward Bethlehem by Joan Didion. Then we have the novel MASH by Richard Hooker. And then we have the Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Yeah, some big, at least the Midnight Library. MASH is like a culturally American, it's like an iconic thing. Oh, yeah. It's like one of the most watched TV programs in all of history, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but that's back when like cable TV people would watch, you know, it's like 70 million people would watch an episode of TV. So it's crazy. anyway. 
Yeah, and the Midnight Library is kind of a current book hit. The author's kind of a uh, popular online. People seem to gravitate to his stuff. Never read any of that, Hag. So we'll see. What I haven't think either. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it, seem, it seems kind of almost... It, it, he seems like kind of... Um, I was going to say saccharine. That doesn't feel like the right word, but like really openly trying to be emotional in a way. I don't know. I'm not sure how it'll sit with me. I, I chose it because I'm just mostly curious. So... Mm-hmm. Anyway, we will see how those go. Again, listeners, thanks for sticking with us the whole way through. That's what we've got coming up. Hopefully, you'll join us for World of Wonders. We appreciate it. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We're at the Lightly Literary Podcast, which is all one word. And if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, if you can rate and review, please do so. We appreciate it. It helps a ton. Helps us get you know more listeners and attracts the audience in. So thank you very much. And as always, until next time, we'll see you between the pages. <laughs>